The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Welcome to the week that was on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig Folly. Thanks very much for being here today. As always, Alan Langle, of course, editor here at Deadline Detroit, is here. And uh, Nancy Derringer is also with us as well once again. And uh, it's been an interesting week. Um, we'll talk. You know what? We're going to go local first. Okay. Because I, I can't stomach going to, you know, crazy and, and very stable yet. Okay. Got we're, it. We're not going to go there yet. All right. Um, we're going to go to Lansing first because something that has dogged the state of Michigan for as long as I've been covering politics in the state is auto insurance. This is mm-hmm. something that nobody's agreed on. A fix has been elusive. Mm-hmm. Apparently, as of today, just a couple of hours ago, an agreement was reached that takes off a lot of boxes for a lot of different people. Yes. It's a, it's an, it is a classic bipartisan compromise, which is what we're supposed to be working toward because it, in our polarized society. Go ahead. I, well, it seems to me that everybody that's got a, that's, you know, got a dog in this fight is basically going to lose something. Right. Uh, the insurance companies are taking a hit. One, they are not going to be able to use non-credit factor or non-driving uh, factors mm-hmm. in determining rates so that things like uh, your sex, your marital status, job status, credit score, zip code, um, all cannot be used. Yeah, and that's that's good news. Zip, and I've... zip code is is huge, yeah, particularly here in, in, in Detroit. I mean, right. it's, it's well, huge. That can at least make a little bit of sense. You can say, all right, if more cars are being stolen in your zip code, you know, you're going to have to pay more. However, I've never understood what credit score has to do with with what you pay in insurance. Well, I, know exactly I mean, this is not for. a credit, but it's not a credit. It's not extended on credit. You either pay for it or you don't. What you tell me. Well, it's it's an algorithm that they have this. used. And, and again, if somebody in the insurance industry wants to call up and tell me that I'm wrong, fine. But based on some conversations I've had in the past with people who work in the insurance industry, it's an algorithm they put together that determine the likelihood that you might file a claim if you're in an accident. Uh, they I think see. you're more likely if you have bad credit. To okay. file a claim because maybe you need money, maybe whatever. Yeah. So they factor that into uh, into the whole equation. I see. And and if you look at the numbers of where the suits are filed, Detroit mm-hmm. has been very, very high. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. One, lack of health insurance for a lot of folks. Right. Uh, but two, I mean, look at all the attorneys that are advertising here in the, in the community. Sure. I and mean, they're everywhere. Right. Uh, okay, let's talk there's about... A, there's a, a, I mean, it's interesting. That. There's always... I mean, one of the issues also factored in that there's a lot of uninsured motorists in Detroit, yep. but you can't tell me that if people, Southfield, Warren, even you know West Bloomfield, even in the higher end zip codes, if they were having to pay five or six thousand dollars, you might see some more. You'd see a greater number of people uninsured in the suburbs as well. Oh, it's, agreed. It's, and it's, mm-hmm. a, it's insane. I mean, the, you know, to pay five, six thousand dollars a right. year for car insurance is just well. And it's like, and not everybody's going to be happy with this. In fact, just about everybody's not going to like it. Uh, the healthcare industry is not liking the fact that there's going to be a rate schedule now that they're going to put forth as to sort of capping what you can pay for certain procedures, bringing them more in line with what health insurance companies pay for the same procedures, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a huge driver in medical costs for the system and what has led to increased rates here in the state. Uh, something that, of course, Mayor Duggan's been talking about for years on this whole thing. So they're not going to like that. The insurance companies aren't going to like that either because that's going to limit 
how much the awards are because they're not going to be as expensive. Uh, So, you know, everybody's going to lose something on this deal, but consumers look like they're going to get a guaranteed rate decrease. We don't know the percentages yet. I'm still doing some research on it, but this is a pretty significant change. And that's what most people want. I mean, you know, and and to do away with how screwed up the system is, you know, this is, I believe, the only place in the country where you can buy a one-week Auto insurance policy, huh. and, yeah. you know, outside yeah. of a rental, um, and, renting a car, but yeah. And, and and really, when you look at it, I mean, how many places in the state, aside from Detroit, where people sometimes determine they are not going to live in the city because insurance rates are hey, too right. high? It has prevented me mm-hmm. yeah. thus far. I mean, I, mean, it, I don't know of any other real city, factor. any other community where people have made a determination based on insurance rates, whether they're going to live there or not. But in Detroit, it is certainly a legitimate um you know, or that you're going to, if you don't have the um, the back pocket solution of keeping your car registered with your parents in the suburbs or your brother in the suburbs, yeah. but, uh, but I'd I, like I, to I, extend my suburban address to you. Yeah. And but you can go I think it's also uh, potentially uh, uh, insurance fraud if you it is. put a claim there and if they find out your your claim is negated, yeah. uh, which is dangerous if you're talking about a lot of money. It is very well, much an insurance fraud, but people do it anyway to save thousands of, of dollars. Lot, they figure it's worth it. Do it. Yes. And it's really just... Now, here, here's what they're talking about. Five different options for people to buy when it comes to PIP. So you can still have, uh, you can still have the option for unlimited lifetime coverage if you want to. Um, but there's a 10% reduction in PIP coverage if you choose that option that will be part of this legislation. Now, if you do, you get a 20% reduction in your rate for 500000 in coverage. This is in the PIP rates. I, I want us to make sure that this is not your entire rate because theft and all that stuff still factors in. A 35% reduction if you get a $250,000 cap, a 45% reduction for $50,000 in coverage. And then if you're a senior citizen or you have Medicare or private insurance that will cover this stuff, it's a 100% reduction in your PIP charges. Hmm. So those are significant changes. PIP is a huge part of the bill. Uh, and like I said, not everybody's going to be happy with this. In fact, all of the special interests that have been basically preventing us from getting anything done on this, are, everybody's giving up something. I, I, I'm shocked. I haven't seen this type of cooperation in a long time in politics. You're right. And that is um, – I mean that's a, a powerful financial incentive to zero out your PIP coverage, um, which I think some – I think a lot of the objection is going to be around poorer people you know, who have crappy health insurance, if any at all, and are not on Medicaid for whatever reason or Medicare and you know, decide that they just don't need it and then have an accident. And it's kind of it's kind of shocking how quickly this is all – come together i know um and i I, you know who do we who do we credit that is it is it the pressure from from the mayor from from dan gilbert is it the is it the new governor is it a new uh legislature i I don't know i don't think it's a new legislature i think it's a combination of all of those factors yeah it's just I, i think the public is finally paying real attention to this right you know when you see the rates that people are paying and Frankly, you know, starting last year, or uh, actually, yeah, almost two years ago now, in, in the last round of elections last year, you start seeing the billboard campaigns around town mm-hmm. talking about how much you're paying compared to neighboring states. Right, right. right. that got people's attention, and yeah. it worked. It got people elected, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so some of the votes that you were going to need on the Democratic side all of a sudden materialized as a result of that, mm-hmm. and people started looking into it and saying, "Yeah, this is ridiculous." Yeah, uh, and I understand where Brooks Patterson is coming from. When he opposes this, saying, "Look, we need this lifetime, you know, unlimited benefit. You could burn through this pretty quickly." But this does seem like something that your health insurance policy should take over at some point. It just mm-hmm. seems natural, um, and I don't know. I, every other state does it this way. Yeah, and 
They're right. fine. I mean, that was the one thing I I'd never even considered this when I moved to Michigan, and that was one of the most staggering, uh, nasty surprises of the of the <laughs> relocation. Of course, in yeah. in Indiana, the um, insurance industry kind of controls the legislature, and that's why if you uh, lose a hand in a work accident, you, they basically cut you a check for three and a half bucks. So you know, it's three and a half bucks. No, I'm wow. kidding. Dollar you know, finger. It's like, it's like I I remember I remember some reporting. Um, you know. Comparing workplace injury compensation in Indiana and other states. Very low there, but that's okay. Thanks to Mike Pence. That's a (laughs) a tangent. That was before he was governor. And it certainly seems as if not. I'd like to blame him anyways. Yeah. (laughs) When you have uh, the Speaker of the House uh, and you have the Senate Majority Leader and the Governor all sitting there talking about how we've reached an agreement, making joint statements, talking about how big this is. It's like the old days, you know? It's amazing. It's it amazing is. to me. I now, know. This level of function. Right. Right. I, I, I didn't say dysfunction. Right. Yeah. This level function. of function is mm-hmm. not something that we're used to, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe this leads to something on road funding. Right. I don't know. Well, and this is the next, that's the next step, because well, you have to she get, needed this in order to... I agree. ...to get through her gas tax, because that's going to be a big bite. And it's not... You know, I don't. Th- I've seen the figures. I mean, they say this will cost um, the average motorist, you know, a couple hundred bucks with an average car getting average mileage, about a couple hundred bucks a year. And if you're saving at least that much on your insurance, you know, it's a wash. And there's hope that you might save a lot more. But well, let's go. Out. Let's go from function to dysfunction. Okay, dysfunction. because one organization that is not working very well right now is Congress, mm-hmm. and of course, there is not a lot of cooperation between the executive <laughs> branch and the legislative branch at right. this point in time. In fact, zero cooperation. I think Aren't is what co-equal? we talk about. Aren't they co-equal? They're supposed right. to be. <laughs> although the president does not seem to agree with that. Right. Uh, let's. I mean, the week started with with <laughs> more stonewalling on the part of the administration in regards to turning over records mm-hmm. and judges saying, "Sorry, Congress does have access to these." records. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin suggesting, I didn't realize there was a law that said I shall turn over the tax returns if somebody requests them. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just, it's one thing after another. And it all seems either designed to just drag this out as long as possible, maybe pass the election, or or to, as Nancy Pelosi said yesterday, go to the Democrats into trying to impeach the president. Right. You, Who would want this? You, Don't throw me into Im- the briar patch. You can imagine yeah, exactly. that. That's, yeah. a, that's a good you one. You can yeah. imagine the conversations that go on in the White House where Steve Mnuchin says, well, uh, Mr. President, the law says that. And he says, I don't care. You, I want you to do this. And I mean, it was like yesterday right. where he goes around the room and he says, was I emotional? Sarah, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah. No, I've seen you worse, basically. I've seen you crazier. <laughs> Uh, no, you are. I'll, I know when you're crazy. But who in that situation is going to say, "Oh, you were totally unhinged"? You were whack. <laughs> Nobody's going to. I no. mean, hey, was I crazy yesterday? <laughs> Looking right at you. By no, the way, no, am I crazy now? No, <laughs> sir. I mean, you know, right. it's funny. I I put a little posting on my Facebook right after he declared himself extremely stable genius, and I sort of reverted to an old joke. And it goes like this. I said, Trump declares himself an extremely stable genius. As a joke might go, Mr. President, to Sarah Sanders, you're an extremely stable genius. To you, you're an extremely stable genius. To an extremely stable genius, you're no extremely stable genius. (laughs) 
We're just gonna we're gonna get you your own like tight. You well, just gotta work on that tight five. You right, know. Right. Well, we'll Nancy and I were talking night. about this earlier today, though. Sort of uh-huh. this very stable genius persona. It's almost like Donald Trump is like David Bowie. He just sort of trots out a different persona when right. he, when it fits the certain situation. Right. So Where sometimes get I'm a tough How guy. I'm the toughest guy in the world, and the and you know, and the military guy. And I'm right. I'm, I'm, I'm the best president. I'm and the now most I'm very stable genius. I'm yeah. the most transparent president we've ever had in history. I, I've, I've accomplished I don't do more cover ups. Yeah, unless it's involving porn stars. And then you cover everything up. I, Can we see your taxes? No, you can't see those taxes. Can we uh, look at your financial records? Nah, you right. can't look I'm, at those. But I'm Can the you... most transparent yeah. president we've <laughs> ever like, had. Did you sleep with a porn star? I don't know anything about that. I mean, you know, this is like, don't give me that crap. But, I, it's just, but it's it's been that kind of a week. And then, of course, Nancy Pelosi then uh, makes a statement about Donald Trump and suggesting that, you know. He had a tantrum. He, Didn't you well, call him? That was the see. That was post. That was after okay. he stormed out of the meeting the other day. Oh, that one. Right. When they were supposed to, again, Infrastructure Week lasted infrastructure. about an hour, not even about fifteen <laughs> minutes. I think is what Infrastructure Week lasted this year. It's like darn, so close. When he's out of office, I hope I hope somebody like you know they we just have Infrastructure Week at some point because that's like the it's like the running joke of the thing that it, it's like we're starting Infrastructure Week and by Tuesday inevitably Infrastructure Week has been overtaken by events. Shall I, we say? I, well, yeah, Infrastructure. Yeah week and you know yeah this is not a small need in this country no it's an enormous it's need. An enormous need we were just talking last week about how it might take a hundred years to repair all the bridges in I Michigan mean, that mm-hmm. need it. it's it's so significant for the infrastructure of our country which you know trucks you know going across the country transporting goods uh but also jobs i mean right. the infrastructure uh creates so many jobs it's 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 a it's a great thing we're, for the economy we're looking oh. down the road at the advent of the autonomous car age, right? Okay, autonomous cars are going to need things like sensors in pavement and sensors in road, you know, along roadsides and a lot of infrastructure upgrades in order for them to safely navigate these highways and, you know, I don't see anything happening on that score. Well, not at the moment. Not at the moment not anyway. Not at the moment. I mean, you know, there was a rare moment of, of bipartisanship, though, that happened in Washington this week. Even the president and Nancy Pelosi were on board. They agreed to a disaster relief package, $19 billion to mm-hmm. help places like Texas that have been flooded and and uh, other places where there have been tornado, whatever, natural disasters. Right. Puerto and, Rico. Yeah, not that. No. No, Puerto Rico's American. <laughs> Come on, I help those we foreigners. Sent, we sent them some paper towels. They're fine. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So anyway, but you know, President Trump wanted this to happen. He needed this to happen. I mean, frankly, there's been so much dysfunction in Washington that this was actually something that was a small goodwill gesture on everybody's part to say, "All right, we at least can do the stuff that really matters." Helping people that have been hurt by this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you know, the president tried to get some wall funding and threatened to veto this if he didn't get more funding for border security. Nancy Pelosi called his bluff on it, and he backed off, Mm -hmm. and they had a deal. She said, great, we'll pass this. We'll get it to you. Well, apparently, one Republican uh, congressperson, a guy named Chip Roy out of Texas, voted to block it. He's now now worried about what it does to the deficit. Oh, the deficit. Oh, he's worried about the deficit. That's so cute. Oh, my gosh. So the members aren't there right now because of the Memorial Day holiday, and if they know that it's going to be, quote, unquote, unanimous consent and everybody signs off on it, they don't actually have to have a vote. Mm -hmm. And it would have gone through, and the money could have started flowing next week. Yeah. Now it's all been postponed until after the break. We'll see if that does anything. But Texas, boy, that's a that's a that's a state that never th- gets hit by F five tornadoes or What's catastrophic flooding or hurricanes I mean, or anything like that. Yeah, right. so it's just one of those things that they can't get out of their own way right now on anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the infrastructure week meeting was was quite humorous, entertaining. Uh, yeah. 
entertaining. entertaining. And then, of course, the the back and forth that has been going on now, the name-calling is distracting from a lot of other things that are happening. But, you know, he's calling himself a very stable genius. She's saying that uh, there's something wrong with him. And she's then, say, he's intervention. saying something and then, wrong with her. Well, she's exactly. not the same. <laughs> well, I've been watching her. I know she's Crazy Nancy, same. she moves crazy her hands. Crazy Nancy, she doesn't get... <laughs> Trade deficit. She doesn't get the whole trade thing. Well, and is there something that's a little ironic about the fact that he's talking about how she doesn't understand how trade works as he's basically talking about a bailout bill for farmers that are getting screwed over by the tariffs? I know. Well, you know what I I, I find? I just I've I've run out of I've my outrage supply is completely bone dry. I'm I'm pinging. I'm pinging on fumes. I no longer have a sense of humor about any of this. I've I've started to fall into despair, which is a mortal sin. If you were raised a nice Catholic like I was, you know, despair is a mortal. Is it really? Yes, it is. Well, that just shows your lack of faith, I suppose. I guess so. Go ahead. I, I was going to say the the concern about the the truthfulness of this president is the scariest part is if we come to a, a international crisis with Iran or something and we want to be supportive of our government what, whatever action it might take uh, we don't believe anything he says. Right. So when he comes out and says the Iranians are doing this, I mean before he was saying well the Iranians may use proxies to attack. Uh, U.S. interests, and other people are saying, uh, well, he may be overstating that. It's like, how do we uh, stand behind, you know, our government or our president when when we don't believe anything he says? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, here's one thing, though, that I will say. I, I you know, John Bolton is the one that's leading a lot of this charge on the foreign affairs front when it comes right. to things like Iran and what we should be doing about the quote-unquote threat that Iran poses right. at this point in time. I think Trump is even calling him on his BS on that a little bit. I mean, the other yeah. day he said, I don't want to go to war with Iran. Right. You know, and he's yeah, just John never Bolton trusted that. Scary, scary dude. Yeah, and he's never trusted right. that mustache, remember? Because they, <laughs> yeah. they, actually, they <laughs> actually put him forward and, during the transition as um, for the job he has now, but H.R. McMaster ended up taking it. And I remember they said that Trump just didn't trust him because he just thought that mustache was ridiculous. P.S. <laughs> Who knows it what is that? ridiculous. <laughs> Who knows what's going on under that mustache? Uh, well, mustache of destiny. Let's move on. And I actually want to talk about this story that's on Deadline Detroit uh, this week, and, and it's up there right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, the director of Detroit's 911 operation has been removed. Um, and this is a story about the power of journalism, I think. Ross Jones from Channel 7 has been chasing this story for months, right, taking right. a look at Detroit's performance when it comes to answering 911 calls. What is the response time? How long does it take you to even get through somebody in an emergency? Right, sure. The numbers are pretty appalling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had the experience. I was driving down the freeway, and I, there was a car on fire, and I called 911, and I originally you know, got put on hold. Really? And, yeah, and huh. it's it's... I mean, it, it's an issue. It's, it's you know, we expect 911. Like, it's an emergency. Well, they're telling you, well, it's not quite an emergency. I called 911 once when, on a very windy day, when one of these temporary highway signs that says, like, construction head had blown over into the outside lane. Okay, so, you know, and it's flat, so it's, it's not the kind of thing you're going to see from sure. a distance. But if you run over it, you could easily lose, you know, one or more tires. So right? it's like driving on the roads in yeah. Michigan. So I yeah. called, yeah, so I called 911 to, to, and I had my, I had the mile marker. I knew exactly where it was. And you know what I got? <laughs> 
just silence. Oh, right. I mean, like a guffaw. Yeah. Like, yeah. listen to this one. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't put me on speaker so I could right, take right. the entire office. Calling about take stuff a look on the at road. This. What? You're being held up, but you haven't been shot? <laughs> Call back when you're shot. Yeah, I, well... He, Speaking of shots, seven people over the last 24 hours in the right, city of Detroit. Right. Uh, that's also another it story that fatal. said that we've got up on right. deadline. Um, sure. That is something that, I mean, you can say what's happening in Detroit is, is you know, there's a renaissance happening here, sure. recovery in a lot of neighborhoods. But, you know, we have yet to get a handle on gun violence in this community in any right. reasonable way, shape or form. Right. I'm not sure anybody can solve it, but, I mean, week, weeks like this and and. Games sure. like this are really, really disconcerting. Yes, right. and it's, it's warm now, sure. and people are going to be outside more, you know, run into each other. Um, I saw the ATV crackdown is uh, is going to be happening. That'll be interesting to watch well, that play out. Did you see some of the that video was one from of that? the shooting was, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the video from that where there's the police cars, and the ATV guys are just goading the police into chasing right. them. Oh, right. Because, yes. they, you know, the five-year sentence that the state trooper got for right. killing the kid on the ATV. Right. Um, they're not happy with that, but uh, there's going they there's going to be some sort of a some this sort of a, a conflict that arises right. from these things because they are they are getting nuts out there. This is a very interesting street culture too. Um, I, I was coming home. Sometimes I take the surface street uh, way back from from you know when the freeways are clogged, and I saw a kid come around the corner in front of me and do like a twelve o'clock wheelie on his. Um, on his dirt bike for a long stretch. I mean, it was an impressive wheelie, but I mean, you know, he wasn't looking around to see if there were cops around. You know, that's just kind of the way they roll. So, mm-hmm. literally roll. It is slightly lawless. Slightly, uh, yeah. <laughs> slightly <laughs> lawless. Bit, yeah. But, uh, you know, it is it is growing in popularity. I mean, technically these are not legal to ride on the street. No. Um, not ATVs. No. Some dirt bikes are, but I don't think this one even had a license plate on it. But No, no. Yeah. But yeah. many bikes... It's hard and to tell because his fender, rear fender was like pointing down. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> but I'm just wondering, you know, what's going to be the result of that? Is this the kind of thing that if the police do crack down that it earns the goodwill of citizens or are people going to look at this as an unnecessary crack down when you have other problems like shootings to deal with. Right. Well, but wasn't one of the shootings last night yeah. uh, at an ATV event? Yeah, um, so, you know, there is, yeah, it was some kind of causation, the party. whole causation yeah, argument. Exactly. I mean, you know, I think you're going to see, I, I mean, drinking we, was probably involved at yeah. some point. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, we, right. we see that, I mean, we've seen this over many, many years where there's suddenly a sudden outburst of violent or violent weekend where we have, you know, multiple homicides. And it's just, it's a reminder that more needs to be done, that uh, the safety net has to go broader beyond, you know, Midtown and Downtown and Corktown. And not that things don't happen there, but they don't happen with any near frequency. Well, and the other thing that cops will tell you, and I don't know if this is because they don't want to admit you know they they want to they want to deflect the blame but they'll tell you and it's true that most people who are victims of homicide are killed by somebody they know um it's often somebody who lives in the same house with them it is the hardest crime of all to really get your arms around because it is so personal and it is so domestic and it, sure. you know and it, it but most, that also makes us you know it, it sort of pacifies people by saying ah, don't worry about it you're not going to get killed if you're you don't in a know good, anyone who's a murderer yeah. if you're <laughs> in a good marriage you know your yeah, husband's not going to worry kill you. your no, friend's right. not not going to, you know, bust a cap, you know, yeah. during a card game because you <laughs> called them a name. But it's it, it's it's still a, a great concern. And some homicides can be avoided. Yes. I mean, some particularly guys who are out there with multiple shootings on the record. I mean, yeah. it's, it's incumbent to catch them and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Knuckleheading on the street is yeah. uh, is 
often where that stuff starts. Well, speaking of Detroit and its rebirth, shall we say? I know people hate that term. I just mm-hmm. said it on purpose. I'm just messing around Spurious here. Spurious. Uh, not a good week. Whatever. Not a good week for Chris Illich. Ooh, uh, the boy, Illich, no. The Illiches continue to sort of step in it a little bit um, over <laughs> what's going on in the district. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the city, of course, responded by putting a performance bond on the Illiches for the Hotel Eddystone project, which basically what that is is the Illiches have to take out a bond from a, from an insurance company or a lender. And if they don't meet these benchmarks, then they basically – the city gets the money to finish the project if they don't get it done. That's right. how that works. This is not – you know, this is not – It's not a municipal bond. Not a municipal bond. bond. So, so explain to me. So – uh, the city doesn't take the; they just take over the project. They don't take over. The yeah, but the money from the the money from the, the bond would be used to pay for the finishing of the project. Right. It's basically project. a guarantee that yeah. the, they're going to do it, and that's that was a pretty significant step that the downtown right. development authority took the other day. Right. Uh, but then Chris Illich, time. Chris Illich gave a couple of interviews uh, to uh, John Gallagher at the Free Press, who I talked to yesterday on Deadline Detroit, and um, of course as the well cranes. as Cranes, and made the statement that. Well, you know, we don't have good transit here, so where else are all these people going to park when they come down here? And everybody said that that's what they wanted all along was a sea of parking lots around the arena. Mm-hmm. And did he let slip what his actual hand is? Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is that a, is that we a have real no question? To build because, these bustling yeah, neighborhoods, we promised not. you. We're going to build. We're going to build parking lots. We're doing and I think, the well, I, only I, because I, you're dragging us I, kicking and screaming. Exactly. I, I think what's what's happened is that. The Illiches were were given carte blanche for so long, and you know, and the city of Detroit, with this inferiority complex, said, "Do whatever you want to do, trample on us, whatever, take take what us, cheat us out of whatever you you owe us from TV revenues, from the Joe and stuff like that." And now, Detroit is a legitimate place to invest, and there are a lot of people changing are, the atmosphere. Yeah and, yeah, and so, you know, they are still treating Detroit like, like but the they stepchild s- that, you know, they think they it still is. Have to, they still have to have um, they, they have to they have to uh, bargain for a position of strength, essentially, because they have strength now. The city. The More city right, right. strength. More strength. Right. The, I'm taken back to probably one of the best single quotes about this city that I've ever read in a news source, and I think it was in the Free Press a few years ago, and I remember who said it because I kind of sort of know this guy. Jerry Bellinger, who used to own the Park Bar, sure. he does a little, you know, he's does a little ad hoc, small, small scale developing himself, and he said something. I'm paraphrasing. There has never been one set of rules that applies to everybody in this town. There has always been the billionaire mm-hmm. rules and the everybody else rules, and. He's, he was talking about the parking lots, I think. About yeah, I think he was. He was talking about the yeah, yeah the, yeah, the landscaping had, on the parking lots. Yeah, but I mean, had, that was so he had plenty of parking for his clubs over there. Yeah, and nobody was allowed to use them unless they paid Illich. Right, exactly. So and, that was something I think that that peeved him a little. bit. Well, but also, I mean, he's you know he's he's absolutely right. I mean, mm-hmm. it, this is. I mean, look at all the all the the red carpet that has that has been laid out for for the Illiches and the Gilberts and the uh, Maroons in this in this city. And you know, there's I mean, yes, there's practically speaking, yes, billionaires have way more leverage that they can bring to the table. But at the same time, if people don't know that the system is fair, then they. They stop believing in the system. Well, and, and interestingly enough, you mentioned the Maroons. Of course, they they got a bunch of property in exchange <laughs> for the property they own for this Fiat Chrysler expansion. Yeah. You know, it's one of well, those that's things. A lot that city's damned if you do, damned if you don't. On that one, you need mm-hmm. the jobs. Right. I mean, if you turn anybody that turns down that, because right. Chrysler can go anywhere they want. I mm-hmm. mean, they could build mm-hmm. out in the country somewhere, and right. everybody, you know, be right. 
Sure. Those, they well, go I mean, where I those jobs it's are. It's, it's, it's a, a huge thing. announcement. When uh, Mitt Romney was running uh, for president, he was saying, hey, let's face it, the manufacturing jobs are not coming back to this no. country. And here it is. Yeah. You know, we've got some manufacturing jobs who are, you know, yeah. that are coming back. Good jobs, too. And, what yeah. else? Well, we were out last night, and um, uh, one of the people we were with uh, quoted his landlord, landlady, in this case. And there, apparently there's a clause in this uh, land swap deal with the Maroons that says they get like an $11 million bonus if any of these um, properties that they're getting in return have don't have clear, uh, clear titles, titles right. and she's like well then he's getting the 11 million dollars because there probably isn't a single there i know isn't a little a something s- about title in <laughs> exactly. this community so, and it's um, like there's no way they're getting clear title on all that stuff well it, it, well so there you go you can you can do it you can quiet the title and if they can do that quiet then they'll be the out title. of it that's, okay. that's what you do that's what that's called hey uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left i know your parking's about to expire so if nancy actually has to answer her phone it's beep, not beep. her being rude <laughs> it's just doing the detroit thing paying yeah. your parking saving 45 dollars. that's yeah. right that's right this is a cost saving measure for deadline to Detroit. Um, <laughs> a couple of stories that were on the site that got a lot of traction, and uh, we'll do the music one last, but I want to talk about this. A story that you wrote, Alan, about uh, the FBI files on the Jackaloni brothers uh-huh. and their relationship to Jimmy Hoffa right. all these years later. I mean, this stuff goes back to the 60s and 70s, right. and we are still absolutely fascinated by the Italian mob, and, right. and especially their ties to you know the, the labor movement back right. in the day. Uh, what did we learn from these? Uh, and, and Our thing. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> we just like doing the accent, yeah. right? Is that it? Yeah, Jimmy two times. Um, <laughs> I, I, thought what, I, I thought a couple of the more fascinating highlights from there was one, that the Jackaloni brothers, Vito and Anthony, who were really, they weren't the godfathers of Detroit, but they were the face They were of up it. there, yeah. They were sort of the John Gottis. They liked the publicity. They liked the tough guy image. And they were, they were buddies with Jimmy Hoffa. And they had relationships, you know, with him. And at the same time, you know, there were FBI files saying the Jackaloni brothers are planning to break in Jimmy Hoffa's apartment in Washington when the Hoffas are down vacationing in Florida and break into his safe, which is interesting. <laughs> they must have thought friends there must don't be do some- friends like that. <laughs> yeah, there must be something there. And the other thing, oh, well, was- yeah, all the money that they steered to us. <laughs> right. What was going on in a safe? Jimmy Hoffa's got a you safe. You didn't pay your dues this month. Right. <laughs> And and so that's I mean that's an interesting thing. And I mean for a long time, I, for decades and decades, the mob used the mob couldn't get loans for casinos and stuff from regular banks. So they went to the Teamsters and got loans, pension funds. Sure. Mi- yeah, they pension went to funds, the pension yeah. fund. They got ten million dollar loan or whatever. We all saw um, we all saw Goodfellas. Though. We remember that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Casino. That was the one. Casino and, was one. Of and the other things. thing I thought was 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 interesting. And unfortunately, there was a lot of redactions in there. There were pages of redactions which. If I was able to get as much good stuff as I did without the redactions, imagine what was in the redactions. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing was that uh, the the mob was trying to step up its its game in the city again. You know, there were crackdowns, and and there was a change with the police uh, chief and 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 the mayor, and the mayor being uh, Jerome, Jerome Cavanaugh, who was supposed to be the the Democratic hopeful, the next uh, John Kennedy, the next right. JFK, and. They suspected that he might be on the take, and they wrote in in a note saying, you know, he seems to be living beyond the means of somebody who's making a salary, you know, a mayor's salary. And and yet they said, we don't have enough to start doing a whole background check on his finances. We feel like there's not enough there. But there there were always rumors. Of Jerry Cavanaugh being being in bed with them, but you know there were there were other things, and there was something I did not include, 
where the the Jackalones took a witness in a in a case in a, in a criminal case and and took this woman and sent her to New York and she hid out in someone's apartment in New York for two weeks and then she came back and she said she did it because she was worried she might get killed by the Jackalones if she didn't. But so there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of intrigue in in the whole thing and just the whole secrecy of you know one of the Jack, Anthony Jackaloni supposed to be flying to him and another guy whose name was redacted flying to California uh, to meet some women to meet two women and so they they were to fly from City Airport to Chicago and from Chicago they were going to use alias names to fly and and then the thing was if for some reason they figured out that the women or them were being, you know, under surveillance. They were going to call the women and say, don't bother coming. And so, I mean, it was a, just a lot of interesting little, you know. But that's, tip, think about it. That's stuff there. you could get away with back then, flying under an alias. Yeah. You just come oh in, what's your gosh, name? Yeah. John Smith. <laughs> right, right. Doesn't work anymore. John Doe. It was like, it reminded me on Christmas Day, I was interviewing a guy at the American Coney Island for a story at the Detroit News, and I'm doing the whole interview, and we're sitting at the counter. At the end, I say, uh, can I get your name? And he says, yes, John. I go, J-O-H-N? Yeah. And last name, he goes, uh, Doe. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, last, last. Uh, you know, we do know that for some reason, all things Detroit seem to be extremely popular in England. Think about, you know, the White Stripes were much more popular in London than they ever were in Detroit at the time that they were mm-hmm. playing. They, they they blew up over there. And for some reason, anything out of Detroit seems to become popular in England. And we just put this up there today. Eminem and Madonna? Yeah. Huge over there, like ranking up there with people like the Beatles. Beyond, mm-hmm. beyond the Beatles. I know. I mean, they basically, uh, this, this, uh, the official charts company put together a list of over, over the many years of, of the top singles, yes. uh, sales of, of, of records. And you have Elvis Presley's number one, which is no surprise. But you have Madonna's number three. You have Eminem as number seven. The Beatles are only number t- uh, number ten. Yeah. The Rolling Stones are further. They're number twenty three. Hmm. Uh, which yeah yeah they're twenty three on this one. But the fact that Eminem, Eminem, and I you know I've known who he is for a long time and know it, but there's thirty two songs that charted in England right. by Eminem. Thirty two, and I, I couldn't name thirty two Eminem. Right, I can right. I can name about five Eminem songs. Yeah. I know. Yeah, exactly. True. I mean, I and I, I did Eminem it, but, at karaoke a few years ago. Did so, you really? You know, what oh, song? Yeah. Which one? Um, um, no, uh, without me. Well, yeah. there you go. It was, and I, I I'm actually sure it was did a little, spectacular. I did a little intro too. It was, it was quite something. But, <laughs> but anyway. Madonna, Madonna, <laughs> 63 songs that charted in England, right. which that's is amazing. amazing. And that's 63 is kind of amazes me as well. I, so. Exactly. Well, now here's the great part though, because you know, you said you went from one to three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's going to know number two. Well, some people might if, if you watch The Young Ones, which is a show that I used to watch on MTV late at night. It's a British comedy show. But they always made fun of this guy, Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard, yeah. Cliff Richard, number two on the list. 68 yeah. charting hits in England. That he, is amazing. He is the Elvis of England, and on this side of the pond, hardly anybody is. Elton John was number eight. I mean, you know, yeah. tied for eight. Yeah. Uh, but as I pointed out to you guys before we started shooting, the Beatles career effectively was a decade you know yes. i mean you can say you know the hamburg years whatever madonna's been making records since 1983 
Um, Eminem's nineteen ninety eight, around right. there ninety nine. I mean, right. you know, these so are these two good careers. I mean, pop music careers last yeah. a lot longer than. Yeah, and, and I think also, I mean, we're talking about singles here, so it's easier to download a single on on your phone now. True, uh, than it was right. for the Beatles. But Cliff Richard started though. back in you know he's seventy eight years old now. So is he really? Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Gosh. Well, yeah. you know, it's just... And it, he's, it, but he's not as hot as Tom And David Jones. Bowie was sorry. number 12. Tom yeah. Jones can get it any day. And he's, I know he's well, like pushing you know, given, now, Well, given too. how popular <laughs> PBS seems to think the guy is, I was surprised I didn't see this on the British slash uh, British Isles uh, you know, list of people. That would be Daniel O'Donnell, who does all the PBS special... Oh, you know, don't. I, you I, get to look him up now. Okay, I guess I have to. This is this Sorry is why, about I that, don't Rich, watch PBS. but I never liked that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's for Mr. Homburg. All right, thanks, everybody. Alan Langle, Nancy Thank Derringer, you. thanks very much. Michael Lucido, we appreciate him engineering thanks. the broadcast once again. And I just want to let folks know that uh, Michael and I are headed up to Mackinac Island next week for the annual policy conference. I'm going to be live streaming interviews all day, Wednesday and Thursday, doing some special features as well. The podcast will be coming from up there. Uh, I'm booking interviews left and right. We've got all kinds of people. And you're staying on a boat? No, we're not staying on the boat. Oh, you're not staying on no, the boat. No, but we're okay. going to probably film on the boat. Okay. So that good. should be kind of fun. It should be fun. I hope you have good weather. Uh, you know, it's you never, never know. you never know. know. But uh, it, it's more, here's the one thing. Some people go up there and they have fun. Other journalists, when they go up there, actually do a lot of work because yeah. there's a ton of stuff to cover. Yes. So, um, you know, I told Michael, I said, yeah, it's, it's exciting, but you'll be tired. I, I heard one say a couple weeks ago that it was the worst week of his year. So, you know, <laughs> so, even the Grand can't, Hotel can't compensate for it. So there you go. Well, there, there yeah. you go. But anyway, just wanted to let you know that we'll be doing that. So look for that coverage all next week. We're really looking forward to it. And I'm excited to be able to bring it to you. Uh, thanks for watching The Week That Was here on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the long weekend. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor. Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news.